Welcome to the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings, where we debate, discuss, and dive into law-related issues important to all of us. I'm Dave Miranda, past president of the New York State Bar Association and partner at the intellectual property law firm of Heslin, Rothenberg, Farley, and Messier. This week on Miranda Warnings, we're talking about reopening law firms. Uh, we have with us today Marion Rice and Dave Schraver, members of the New York State Bar Association's working group on reopening law firms. Uh, welcome, Marion and Dave. Thank you. Thanks, David. Marion Rice uh, is a partner at Labatt Balkan, uh, based in Long Island, and she's also past president of the Nassau County Bar Association. Marion, tell us, uh, how are you doing? Good, good. You know, it's a challenge. I am grateful that we are in a profession that can continue to work during this pause. Um, many of our colleagues are not able to do so. Things have, have changed and are going to be changing for the foreseeable future. And the working group that I've been on with David Schraver and many others that was appointed by um, Hank Greenberg uh, took a good hard look at what the changes have been as a result of the pandemic and, and what we may expect in the immediate future. And uh, we also have with us uh, Dave Schraver, who's uh, of counsel at Nixon Peabody, former managing partner of the Nixon Peabody Rochester office, uh, past president of the New York State Bar Association and past president of the Monroe County Bar Association. Dave Rochester, uh, where you are, is one of the first regions to uh, reopen in phase one. That does not include law firms, phase one, but conceivably, uh, law firms in your region uh, could be a few weeks away from uh, reopening. Uh, and this is really for both of you. What should law firms be doing now in anticipation of possible reopening? Well, the first thing they should be doing is planning and organizing a, a team of people to understand uh, these guidelines that the state bar has published um, and to uh, figure out how those guidelines can best be applied in their particular situation. So I think it's going to be important for people uh, who are managing law firms, while whatever size and in whatever location, to, uh, to really think about how they're going to reopen safely. Because I think safety of uh, everyone, particularly in the first instance, the uh, lawyers and staff of the law firms uh, is paramount. And then at such time as uh, outsiders, such as clients, vendors, suppliers, and others may come into the office space, uh, how, are, how are you going to deal with that as well to make sure that that does not introduce uh, the, the coronavirus into the workplace? Well, as you mentioned, uh, the working group that uh, New York State Bar Association President Hank Greenberg formed uh, has sprung to action and provided uh, fairly substantial guidelines for law firms uh, for reopening that can be found at the New York State Bar Association's website at nysba.org. Um, Marion, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the uh, more important uh, and significant guidelines that uh, the working group has uh, produced? I think David hit the nail on the head. The first thing that we should be doing now in this period when we can't go back into our offices is plan. Um, the first consideration I think that you have to have is, is should you be reopening at this point in time, even though in a couple of weeks, a few counties have been clear so that they can come back into the office? And how are you going to do that? Um, being in downstate, I don't think we're going to be looking at it for quite some time. 
Um, but yes, the four regions now have qualified to start phase one as of, of tomorrow. And with that, the original plan was that two weeks after that, assuming no catastrophe and no resurgence of the um, virus, that we would then implement phase two, which includes professional services, which is um, lawyers falls within that category. So when that date comes though, it, it's not, you hear all the commentators talk, it is not a flick of the switch, it is a dimmer switch. We need to take and assess exactly what it is that we need to do to go back into our offices. And, and who are the personnel that need to go back first? Because the worst thing that could happen to us is going back too quickly and then having to start all over again, having, having erased the very painful time that everybody's gone through. So planning is key here. And the first plan is looking at your region and the, and the governor has divided the state throughout a number of regions. Look at where your region is in terms of the metrics. New York City and Long Island are probably farther behind a lot of other areas. Um, and, but it's good to see how those boxes get checked off. There is a map that's up on the website and the governor's um, website that shows exactly where everybody is and how many out of the seven metrics that he's established have been met by the various regions. And it's a good thing to monitor that so that the planners have an idea about when this is going to become a reality to them and not just uh, something that we can look forward to in the future. So once you've got a person or, or – go ahead. I'm sorry, David. No, go ahead, please. So what is so – we – the way the guidelines read is that the first thing to do is to really get a point person um, who is going to be there to learn what it is that has to be done and implemented. And I think the most incredible thing that needs to be addressed is that everybody have the buy-in, buy-in to what that person's going to do. Because unless a law firm, no matter if it's two people or a hundred people, have a single leadership voice that's talking in one voice, clear, concise, and consistent, um, it, it could be a disaster trying to roll back in. Right. Uh, and you, so you mentioned the uh, governor's uh, regional reopening plan, uh, the, a chart related to the various regions and where they stand on reopening can be found at forward.ny.gov. Uh, the state's divided up into 10 regions. It looks like three of them have met uh, the requirements, uh, the North Country, which includes the Adirondacks, the Southern Tier, which is near Binghamton, uh, the Mohawk Valley, uh, and also and the Finger Lakes, Finger Lakes. Too. So it's four regions, Finger Lakes, four regions, uh, and the Finger Lakes is the one that includes Rochester as well. So we've got a good portion of upstate that uh, we're going to see some uh, phase one reopening at least. Uh, and then uh, phase two for lawyers is about two weeks away in those regions. In your guide, you talk about some specific recommendations. Obviously, this is a guideline and these are recommendations. But one recommendation is that the law firm develop a testing plan for employees uh, that are going to be coming uh, back to the office. Um, Tell us about how that would be implemented. Well, this is very hard. This is probably the hardest part of uh, what kind of a decision you're going to make for testing uh, because clearly most law firms don't have the wherewithal to have formal testing programs come in. Um, it would be counterproductive and difficult to insist that your employees before they restart their positions. Um, I, th- uh, I think that what the least we can do is, is temperature monitoring. Um, and you can do that either the firm can do it, which again is an onus that firms are not usually readily um, equipped to handle, uh, or you can give it to a third party, but again, that costs money and none of us are in a position to be spending 
uh, money on new services because uh, we do have other new services we must do. Um, so I think that a reasonable step for the smaller and solo law firms is to have um, employee self-assessment temperatures and then certification to their employer when they come back. And you pick a temperature, uh, a reasonable temperature I've, we've read through is 100.4 degrees. And you have employees take their temperature on a daily basis and report the findings as to whether they pass or not. Email, an attestation form. There's actually apps that are being developed that should make this easier as time goes on. Uh, we don't like to think of how much time this is going to go on, but it is going to go on for some time. So I think that's a, a reasonable step that you can take to try and protect. And then, of course, um, just representation. You have to trust your employees. You know that they want to work. You have to, uh, you have to trust them and make them understand that if there's anything that matter, if they're experiencing any symptoms, if they know they've been exposed, if they know they're, um, that, they've been, they, that someone know, that they know has been tested, that they've been near, they need to feel free to tell you that, and, and you need to be able to tell them that they have to stay home. You can't do it in a punitive way or nobody's going to report to you. So you have to find a balance there with your employees and trust that after all this time we've been in this together, we'll still be in there together and, and not take repercussions because that would be dangerous in a legal way as well too if there is reporting. But the one thing you cannot, you really want to be careful of is, is making sure that whatever employees you have in your office are as safe as you could possibly make them within reason. We can't have testing doorway. We just couldn't do it most law firms. Some larger law firms, of course, could institute programs like that, but the average firm of the New York State Bar membership would not be able to handle that. So you're saying that uh, developing a testing plan doesn't necessarily mean everyone has to take a COVID-19 test before they get in, but it could involve uh, temperature testing, which is certainly uh, more accessible. Um, attorneys have, are historically known to have ice in their veins, so it should not be a problem for uh, most of us going back to work. I want to ask another question about um, something that I read about not just lawyers, but all businesses will need to sit, submit a, a reopening plan uh, that will allow employees to work at a distance from one another. Does that mean each individual law firm needs to submit a reopening plan or, or is it a reopening plan for like an entire profession or industry? I don't think it's realistic to think that there's going to be one reopening plan for the entire legal profession. If you just take the Finger Lakes region, for example, where Rochester is the largest city, the region extends all the way from Lake Ontario down to Corning, and there's a lot of rural country in between. So I think each law firm, each law office is going to have to think about what makes sense in their particular situation. You've got all around the state, not just in this region, but you have large law firms with a hundred or more lawyers in an office in multi-story buildings with multiple tenants. In those situations, uh, you're going to have conditions uh, imposed by the owner or manager of the building. You're going to have other tenants. You're going to need to coordinate uh, your policies and procedures uh, with the buildings and with the other tenants. Then uh, you have the smaller uh, firms and the solo firms that Marion referred to, and they're in an entirely different situation. Um, in any of those situations, though, I think the guidelines will be a useful checklist of best practices that people can look at and figure out how best to uh, implement those guidelines and, and keep everybody safe. 
Yes, yes, I understand that, Dave, but I, I guess my question is more specific. Uh, the governor has said all businesses need to submit a reopening plan that allow employees to work at a, uh, a distance from one another at work. And I'm wondering, does that mean in order for a law firm to reopen that there's going to have to be the submission of a plan to some government agency uh, by the law firm? I guess I don't know exactly what those requirements are. Maybe, Marion, you're more familiar with those. I don't think there's been anything quite nailed down like that, but I do think that the guidelines that we have, as a general, I think the thought was that the working group would show the governor that we have a plan, we have a good track record of being a self-regulated profession, we have ethical duties to our clients that go beyond what the average you know, manufacturer has to do as well, too, and that we're capable of self-regulating ourselves by agreeing to do some type of uh, to the social distancing, the hygiene, that the, restate, the re reconfiguration of your workstations that are occupied. So if you are a small firm and, and you, you can't have all of your employees sitting six feet away from each other, some employees can't sit there th those days. You have to stagger the work hours. So I think that the, the thought process behind the guidelines was that is our legal profession's plan on how to get back to work. Whether it's gonna be submitted one by one, I don't think that there's any kind of a structure in the government that's going to be available to take that from every law firm in the city, in the, in the state. But I think the, the thought process was we're here to show the, the governor that we can do this and this is how we can do it safely. And hopefully that will be enough. You know, so, you know, we have uh, different regions in the state opening at different times. Um, I know Marion, your firm has uh, offices in uh, Long Island and New Jersey Dave Nixon Peabody, of course, has offices around the country, but specifically in New York City, Rochester, Albany, Buffalo, Long Island. So firms that have multiple offices are going to have to have phased in plans, whereas I guess one office would open at a different pace than another office in the same law firm. Are you, are you, do you have any insights on how larger well, law think, firms with multiple offices can plan for that? I think that's uh, very likely. Um, you know, as Marion indicated, it's likely that New York City and Long Island will not be opening as soon as some of the upstate areas. The uh, guidelines discourage or, or suggest that you should discourage inter-office travel where you do have a firm with multiple offices in the state. It's just uh, the governor has talked about coordinating with the various states around New York so that once one state reopens, people don't flock into that state to do things. And I think that will be the case with uh, firms with multiple offices. You, you don't want a lot of people coming into an office that might have reopened, partly because just with the people who are local, you're going to want them to be able to maintain distance and to adopt these safe practices. So uh, I think it's very likely that firms with multiple offices will see them opening at different times, uh, monitoring how that works, and uh, using whatever lessons they learn from the uh, offices that open uh, earlier. Our office in New Jersey is a very small office compared to the Long Island office. And New Jersey, uh, lawyers were essential workers uh, throughout the entire period of time, so there's no requirement that you shut down 100%. Um, so we did have one person in the office in New Jersey, and we got a ton of pushback from the New Jersey lawyers who wanted to go in, but we, we held it straight because we thought that trying, it would send mixed messages throughout the entire firm if we did that. So we, we held to the New York standard, but kept one person in the New York, 
New Jersey office um, during the period of time that they were permitted to. But I do think New Jersey is going to probably go back quicker than Long Island. But I will say it's a, it's a, it's a very much smaller office that has a good footprint. So I, I don't have any concern about that. Now, the guidelines uh, have made some very specific recommendations, some that perhaps law firms might not be thinking of. So it's certainly worth, uh, I think, a- any managing partner or any person that's designated to work on uh, reopening their law firm to look at. Um, one of which, which I thought was interesting, was developing one-way foot traffic patterns uh, in the office. This is especially, I would guess, for larger offices where um, people would be directed to only travel in one uh, direction. I guess similar to the way we see in the grocery stores, some grocery stores have this with uh, arrows in which you can go up and down the aisles. So is that uh, what you're suggesting? Well, yes. As you say, particularly in the larger offices uh, that might have uh, offices on the outside of the building all around the floor, um, that would be uh, a suggested uh, practice. Um, there also are other uh, recommendations in there to try to avoid people congregating where there might be coffee stations or in restrooms uh, so that, uh, again, you don't have people getting closer than they should. Uh, but at the same time, unless you're in your individual office, the guidelines also suggest that you wear a mask in public areas in the firm particularly where you might be in close contact or close proximity to uh, other people, uh, and that there should be sanitizing stations uh, around the firm or around the office, as well as uh, hand washing opportunities with appropriate warm water and soap and that kind of thing. So there are a lot of different things to take into account. I want to talk a little bit about the court system. As you know, the, the courts have been in a... Uh, a pause period as well. Um, They're obviously not governed by the same rules that apply to law firms, but obviously it's of great interest to uh, attorneys that are practicing in New York State. Um, There's been uh, an announcement from uh, the chief judge of the state of New York, Janet DeFiori, uh, that uh, 30 upstate counties courthouses will be involved in a Phase one of an opening, which would include judges' chambers, clerks' offices, and other offices. Um, However, non-employee court visitors would be required to undergo COVID-19 screening before entering the courthouse. Um, What are your thoughts on on the court system opening and how lawyers might, uh, who have uh, business with the court, might prepare for that? Well, I, I think it's wonderful that the first steps are being taken uh, to get uh, us back into the courtrooms because that's been a huge problem. With uh, We are lucky as a profession to be able to work during this, but those people who are involved in litigation have had serious economic impact on them because of the fact that the courts are closed. And I'm delighted that they are reopening. I don't think we're going to be walking in the door anywhere anytime soon, though. I think that the virtual operations are going to expand um, to the extent that... that uh, it will become more of the norm to have the con- to have the conference without having to go into the courtroom to do it. Uh, my concerns are what's going to happen with jury trials as we go forward. We're nowhere near even figuring out how we can do that. Uh, certainly down in the New York area, New York City metro area, the courtrooms are not built with the guide towards six-foot distancing. And I, I just don't see how it's going to be done on a grand scale for a long period of time. 
uh, probably until we have virus uh, and we able to have vaccines. What do you think about Zoom trials? I can't conceive of it, but maybe that's because <laughs> of my age. I, 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 um, we were just talking about this last night because uh, I suppose we could do a, a Zoom non-jury trial, but the concept of a Zoom jury trial is I can't even wrap my, myself around it right now. Um, we, I haven't done an oral argument yet, but I can see that being fine. Um, we've done Skype conferences with the court and it's been great. Uh, the one appeal I have coming up, everybody opted not to do the Zoom, um, but it was a kind of case that you didn't really need to argue. Uh, but I would have done it had it been a substantive law case as opposed to a discovery issue type case. So, so it's, it's interesting. I, again, I've been taking CLEs on remote depositions, even though I've done plenty of remote depositions in my, in my life. I've, I'm trying to learn now how, how, to, how to do it well as opposed to just how to do it and get it done. Um, it's, it's a new world. There's opportunity in it, but it's also daunting for people who've done it another way for a long period of time. And of course, the New York State Bar Association has a couple of uh, remote CLEs coming up about both about this topic, about reopening law firms, and uh, as well as other topics related to practicing uh, in this age of uh, coronavirus and shutdown. Uh, all of those can be found at uh, nysba.org. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Supreme Court has had oral argument via telephone, not via Zoom. It always seems like it's a little bit more difficult uh, if you can't see a, uh, a, a judge's reaction uh, to arguments that you're making or, you know, you get kind of can get an idea of whether they're receptive or if they're moving on. Um, Zoom provides a little bit of that, um, but... Um, I think the interactivity is stilted and uh, certainly makes it um, much more difficult, but again, not impossible. Uh, and if we have to pursue uh, litigation that way, we may, it may come to that. I know mediations in our firm, people are mediating by Zoom and, and doing well at that. That's something that seems to have been uh, more readily adapted than I would have thought have. Yes, yeah, so I think with some cases it might be better to keep the parties apart um, than to have them in the same room. <laughs> I represent lawyers, so, so yes. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Marion and Dave. Thank you for uh, your service to the legal profession and to the New York State Bar Association and for again stepping up to provide your insights uh, and expertise on this working group on reopening law firms, very important. And thank you also for your time with us here on Miranda Warnings. Uh, we have a more lighthearted feature on Miranda Warnings called Music Book or Movie, which is uh, of extreme importance uh, during this period of shutdown. So if you can share with us what you've been reading or listening to or watching that uh, might enlighten some of our listeners, that would be, that would be great. I have not been watching a lot of television lately, but I will tell you that last Saturday night I did I did watch. Um, it was streamed though, as opposed to being on a regular channel, and it still is available. Uh, there was a UNICEF um, thank you to the workers that was on that had all kinds of old time um, rock stars on it, and I just put it on and listened to it. You can still listen to it. The job that they're doing on the front lines is just amazing, and I thought that was a terrific program. It was UNICEF won't stop. I think is the name of it. UNICEF won't stop. Very good, Dave. What have you been doing? Well, I, I expect that I'll be staying home for some extended time. So I thought this was a great opportunity to work my way through a 900-page abridgment of Gibbon's Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, just to see if there were any lessons in that uh, for us. 
but I will say that about 600 pages in, I needed a break. And uh, I read Michelle Obama's uh, memoir, Becoming, and I found that very interesting and inspiring. And uh, I would recommend that to anybody that uh, that would like to read her story, which uh, I think we can all learn, learn from. Yeah, very good, Dave. Um, uh, since you're only 600 pages into the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, I'm not going to tell you how it ends. Uh, I don't want to ruin it for you. And I already have the a preview. And if you've read the book or if you haven't read uh, the Obama, uh, Michelle Obama book, Becoming, there is also uh, a companion Netflix special uh, about uh, Michelle Obama and her book uh, that was just released uh, in May, uh, also uh, worth, worth a watch. So um, Marion and Dave, uh, thank you very much, uh, both of you, for being with us here on Miranda Warnings. Thanks, David. Everybody take care. Thanks for listening to Miranda Warnings. I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to Miranda Warnings, a NISBA podcast, available on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.